Welcome to Uncharted Careers. I'm Courtney Hartman, and I talk with guests each week about their career paths to give listeners an insider look into different industries, how folks have made decisions in their careers, and we'll explore what each guest has learned along the way. I'm on a mission to share knowledge that is only learned in the field outside of a classroom. Join me to find inspiration for your own career. Welcome back to another episode of Uncharted Careers. On this week's episode, I talked to Shell Mendelson. This was a really cool conversation for me because Shell has been a career coach for decades now, and she's found a lot of success in a very specific niche. She coaches folks with ADHD on navigating their career and finding or creating a fantastic job based on their passions and unique qualities. She's just come out with a course book to guide folks through exercises to help them understand how they best work, and she also has a successful masterclass that's growing. If you like this episode, please be sure you're subscribed to the podcast, and please leave a review wherever you listen. Thank you. Well, I would love to start from the beginning then. How did you decide when you were growing up what you wanted to study and what kind of path you wanted to take from an early age? Well, the earliest age, I mean, I always knew, I th- I'd say as a young, if I were looking back on my younger self, because I'm in the boomer category, right? Looking back way back on my younger self, uh, I didn't have a lot of support growing up to be anything specific, uh, but I always knew I wanted to be a professional kind of person, in the, and I always knew I wanted to go to college, so I was lucky enough to come from a family that was college-oriented that way. And I did go to, you know, I got a bachelor's degree and then I got a teaching credential. And that is because as a kid, I used to, to always play teach teacher. That was my, what I played with my younger brother. <laughs> like he had to be the, he had to be the student and I was a teacher. Right. So I always kind of thought, well, you're going to be a teacher. So let's get a teaching credential. Right. So I got a teaching credential and I realized, and I was in my twenties at the time, but I realized I didn't really like teaching in a public school because teacher always, it wasn't defined for me. It was just like, get a teaching credential, teach in a public school. Right. Or, or maybe a private school, but basically teach a specific kind of way in front of a classroom with a, uh, at, at the time it was high school kids. What were you teaching there? Um, I never actually got into it, to be honest with you. I realized I didn't want to teach in the public schools. And so I was kind of lost for like four years. Uh, I call those the lost years <laughs> before I got into my uh, graduate program in counseling. I knew I wanted to help people. So I think that was kind of where that came from, was that I wanted to, to give back to but the teaching part of it ended up being uh and I and we do exercises to go back to when you're a kid to to look at the things that you enjoyed doing the activities you enjoyed because they can sometimes foretell uh some of the areas that you or or an area that you might be a, attracted to it's kind of a way uh, it it's not literal all the time it's not at all literal. It's like, but it's it's a way to sort of assess where you're going to end up in a good, the best place that you could possibly go in your career. And for me, it was in some form of, of instruction, uplifting. So teaching, I define differently. 
And I still do teaching. This is what I do in my work. I have never stopped teaching. It's just that I don't do it in front of a classroom with, uh, in, a, in a prescribed kind of situation with a prescribed curriculum, except for my own curriculum. I develop my own curriculum. So I'm being very rebellious. I can tell you that this is what people with ADHD are. We tend to be very rebellious and uh, like we don't like authority all that much in terms of people telling us what to do, in the especially in the workplace. And I knew going into it that I wanted to become a professional and eventually be my own boss at some point. Uh, so when I got the count that led me to the counseling degree, which led me to vocational rehabilitation counseling. Um, and so that was when I was introduced to the world of work at that point. And I work with people with disabilities who were limited. And I worked in the workers' compensation system, which is a whole bureaucratic system that after 10 years, I, it just wasn't working for me anymore. I didn't enjoy it. I wasn't, uh, really enjoying the process uh, as much as I used to. And I realized I wanted to work with the, at that point, I wanted to work with the general population and career. And so I did that for a while before I got trained by Richard Bowles, who wrote What Colors Your Parachute? Who I always admired. And he had been, he had been uh, using the system. He started Parachute probably when by the time I got there he had been at it 30 years maybe and um, then I got I never went back after that I just that was the system I used with everybody that I worked with and and the reason that it worked for my clients and for me was that it breaks things down and I always had an aversion to assessments which I had to give in the work I was doing for 10 years. And I thought this wasn't the, the assessment seemed so useless to me. They didn't really help people to really understand themselves anymore. So the thing about the parachute process was that it helped to break things down and help people to understand their own personal preferences and give them power over what they were doing. So that's a big, big difference right there. You're not comparing yourself to other people, right? So that was that was one of the reasons I was so attracted to that. I, I wasn't really aware of the why at that point. I just was aware that it was something that um, I was just, it just felt natural to me. And I just never stopped using that process until uh, I didn't, till I, I woke up one morning with the idea of a, doing some kind of a, uh, a business for uh, that would help other people have their own businesses in art, working with art and children. Isn't that my son was very young at the time and he loved art and the art was being pulled out, pulled out of the schools. And so I just woke up with the idea of kids. The name was kids art. And I, I, we eventually wanted it to become a franchise system. So over a period of years, I literally helped. Well, I co I founded this, company called kids art and that went on for quite a few years what it did was it pulled me away from the work that i love doing which is the career coaching right and uh i didn't i, I didn't think about it because i was so immersed in what i was doing and i really i enjoyed it up to a point 
And there's a reason why they say people that are the founders of companies should not be the ones that run the companies. I didn't know that at the time. And so I tried to run it and I did a terrible job because it just wasn't my thing. Uh, I didn't enjoy it. It got to where I was just really not happy anymore. And yet it was my company and it was kind of this albatross that I had. I missed doing the career stuff and it didn't end well uh, because at that point we were very successful. We were in 39 states. I was working with other people. I had business, 15 countries. Yeah, no, it was, it's still going today by one of the franchisees, the early franchisees who purchased it. But at the time it was just, I went through a lot of trauma because I was undiagnosed and I was trying to understand why this was so awful for me now, why it was good for a while. I didn't understand uh, at the time that I shouldn't have been running this country, uh, this business in the first place. Definitely not a country. (laughs) Anyway, um, so it didn't end well. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I talk about that in in my in the uh, course book as being one of the the things that happens when you aren't enjoying your work is that you just don't do well at it. Uh, we can't with ADHD. We can't fake it. There's no way that at some point it's going to catch up to us. Oops, there I go. In terms of mistakes and uh, things that happen little little issues with people maybe uh it could take all kinds of forms but it doesn't work in the end to be doing something you don't enjoy doing and so when i eventually left the company i was able to go back and do the career coaching uh i started with just one client and i just was so happy at that point <laughs> When I start working again with clients as uh, a career coach and counselor, I felt a weight lifted. And it was like all of a sudden I realized this is where I, I needed to be. So what it helped me to define for myself uh, was, first of all, I got my diagnosis. I knew something was wrong. And I ha- I tell the story about I had a friend whose son had ADHD, and out of the blue, she sent me a book on ADHD. She we never talked about it, but I I was kind of appalled when I got it. Yeah, and I was definitely in denial. A there. Yeah, she was sending me a message. I took that book, I shoved it in the drawer for two years, and it wasn't until this situation happened where I was just uh, kind of traumatized by the whole experience of having started a company, founded it, and having it go so wrong, right, for me. And I went, literally went crawling over to that book, started reading and went, oh my gosh, it was the big epiphany epiphany that many of us have when we realize that we're not, number one, we're not alone. So there's a lot of emotion that comes out of it, kind of like the, uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, Stages of Grief, you go through different elements of uh, first year, like in major grief. And, and then you kind of start realizing that this is just who you are. There's something 
there's something there. And that one, that's a, a little scary too. When you realize that there is some kind of a, a mental or and emotional thing uh, in your brain wiring that is different from other people. That was a big one for me. And I finally got the diagnosis, which was actually good. I always tell people, go out and get the diagnosis. If you think you have it, if it looks like a duck, you know what I mean? Go out, get the diagnosis, because that can really help to ground you and start to take some steps to move forward. So I, once I did that, uh, I was I decided at that then and there I was going to work my my audience, the people I work with, my clients were going to be ADHD clients. And I never look back. Neuro, neurodivergent clients. I, so I work with autistic and ADHD. Um, yeah, I just decided at that point that was it. And I never looked back and I've been, never been happier. So that was when I started. Uh, and then about three years ago, literally three years ago, January 6th, I uh, started a class called Your Next Career Move Masterclass. So I stopped working with individuals initially, and my baseline became that they commit to this eight-week process that I had been taking people through for years, but it was just more organized, and it made a lot more sense for people to just do the eight weeks. And week to week, we were covering all the elements of what you make up your ideal work just as I was doing with my individual clients, but it was, it's a little bit more on steroids. The only difference is that you work with other people who help create like a community and a network and provide feedback and you interact with, and they get the direct coaching as well. So it's been very powerful. I've had full classes almost ever from the very beginning. Uh, very rarely have I not had a full, well, full class of six. It's only six people. Uh, and then from that, over the years, I began tweaking when I realized uh, that that our needs with ADHD were a lot different than, than neurotypical people. And that the workbook that I have been using, this workbook, which I, I will always be grateful for, uh, was what I was using, but I had to cherry pick it. I had to tweak it. I had to add materials to it uh, and, and literally restructure the whole thing to work for my clientele. So I decided it just hit me like a lot of things hit people. Many of us with ADHD, oh, got to do this thing. So I'm just going to do it. Had I known what writing a book would involve, I probably never would have done it. Had I known what starting a franchise system would have involved, I never would have done it. So I just start taking steps. And that's what I did. I start pulling my material together. And I started little by little taking the articles that I've written, putting, putting things together, uh, and breaking things down. And I worked with a graphic designer who, uh, who was actually a client of mine. Her name's Katrina. I owe a lot to her because she helped me put everything that was in my brain into kind of a, a beautiful graphic representation. And she has that ability, uh, that designer. She's a photographer, a designer. She's got all kinds of amazing qualities and she works on Canva. 
So I asked her, can you do this for me? Can you help me put all these images together and break things down in a way that I can put it to a book? And she said she said yes. So everything was on, the whole book is on Canva. Uh, using her designs. It's all graphic. It's all color, every page. Uh, it's broken down. The instructions are broken down the way they need to be broken down for people, for our people with ADHD. Obviously, it works for everyone because it is breaking things down and it makes it easier to digest in a lot of ways, but particularly necessary for, for us. So I address a lot of the the concerns and the issues and challenges that we have. With, as folks with ADHD in the book, it becomes very clear that, oh, this is different. Thinking about things a certain way it is different than the way most people think when it comes to choosing a career. But specifically, it puts the emphasis on what who you are and what you want. And what is it that you want and being able to break it down and articulate it and, and own it and not, not apolo no apologies, be confident, be able to say, this is exactly what I need in the work that I do to be happy, to be content, for it to be sustainable. And you're a career person, you know all this. But basically, for people with ADHD, if we don't enjoy the work we're doing, we're going to find ways to screw it up or not be, you know, or we job hop, we get fired, we, you know, get called on the carpet. A lot of people with ADHD are put into these performance improvement programs, which I'm sure you're familiar with, those wonderful little PIP programs that do nothing, that it's like the the first step to getting fired. I always tell people, if you have saved up enough money for that you can take, just leave, do it. Don't stay there any longer because all it does is uh, erodes your confidence. Yeah. It's a great confidence eroder is what, what I call it. And it will, you know, and then you start blaming yourself and it's, you can't keep up and it's, they're asking you to do things that have nothing to do with your work basically as a way to sort of wedge you out of the company. So I uh, I work with several people who've been in those programs and are in, in the process of being in them, you know, when they come to the class. So the book is meant to help you guide you through the process that I do with people in the class. It's pretty much goes right along with what I do. Uh, the difference in the class, obviously, is a more intense, intensified um, coaching and the other working with the other people. But the process is essentially the same. So may I speak of the book now? Can I go into yeah, the book? Definitely. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it just got released last week. Yeah. Congratulations. So the book itself is on Amazon right now. And it is also on my website uh, obviously, I love it if you got it on my website, but it's also on Amazon. Uh, I'm at Career Coaching with, with Shell.com, and then the course book is just listed on my website. But it does go through the whole process. It's meant to be done with other people. It's not meant to be done on your own, especially with ADHD. You need to have other people that you can uh, do the exercises with. Uh, and have somebody to keep you accountable 
keep each other accountable going through it. Uh, it's very difficult to do anything that you learn from a book on your own, right? It's just not, even without ADHD, <laughs> I think it's difficult. But I think this is this is one that should be in the hands, I'm hoping we'll get in the hands of uh, high schools, high school counselors, high school teachers, career centers, college career centers, uh, employment offices of all kinds, vocational rehabilitation offices, uh, all the nonprofits that deal with people with ADHD, uh, and literally everywhere you can grab grab it uh, and start working through it is, I think, going to be valuable, beyond valuable, because it's, although I love and I will always um, honor What Colors Your Parachute, and I always want people to buy that book as well, get that book, what color, whatever edition uh, is out because it comes out every year. There's a new edition that comes out every year that they, they at least have that as a resource. It's a helpful resource. Uh, I don't, I never believed it was meant to be read cover to cover. I always believed it was meant to be used more as a resource. Um, and that this is the way that the, the uh, course book that I have that is now released is something that can actually is an actual course that can be worked through. Uh, so I wish I had pictures I could show you right. Uh, you can go actually on Amazon and see a couple of pictures that are up there. What does that roadmap kind of look like? What can somebody expect if they are going to read the workbook and work through it within a group or even directly with a counselor in school or something like that? What are the types of things that they're going to be working through? Okay, this is what the road, the actual roadmap looks at like, and it's full, it's a fold out in the book. So it will actually be something you can tear out. And it's called The Planets, My Career Galaxy. So you're working through all the different elements of what make up your ideal work, including the skills you love to use, the people you need to want and need to be around. Your working conditions, which for people with ADHD have to be, uh, have to be articulated and understood at a very deep level. Uh, because the working conditions can make or break whether or not anything is going to work for you. So um, it's really important to be able to identify what those are. And we go much deeper into that aspect of it so that you're with ADHD or with disabilities, very often you can write what's called an accommodations plan. This goes much deeper than that. It's much more personal. And it gets into all the physical aspects of your environment, as well as the non-physical, which are which can be like the cultural environment and working hours and distance that you're driving. And yeah, I think that's such an important part and aspect of your daily life that a lot of folks don't even think about and don't think that they have any agency in making those decisions or even making the request. Do you have any examples um, of specific requests that have helped folks or even things to be thinking about that could be used as a point of leverage even when you are joining a company or you're building your own business and you're working through what is the best setup for me? 
Well, let's start with when you're working for another company um, and you, you right there in the interview, you can have that conversation. The thing is that I always tell people is that when people really know what they want at a very deep level and they can articulate it, they understand themselves, which this process helps you to do is really understand who you are and to honor that and to own it and to say, when I have and under these conditions, and when these things are possible for me, you're going to get the very best employee possible you will ever see, essentially. Somebody who's committed, somebody who's uh, productive, um, and somebody who can uh, suss situations, take on challenges, problem solve, whatever the, the, the terms are that sort of describe whatever that work is and how it's the most meaningful to you. So you wouldn't even go in there, apply for a position that you didn't know was something that fit your uh, career galaxy. Okay. Uh, it's got to be aligned with it to begin with. So when you go in, you know that they're looking for certain things and you can speak very directly to those in a very powerful way. Often more powerful than any competitor, anybody who's coming in. Uh, who is just looking for a job and might have have the experience for the job, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they've really thought out why they want to be there or even if they if they want to be there at all. Whereas when you apply for something that you know that's the right fit for you, you're it it, it present you present in a whole different way with a whole different level of confidence, and it makes you look better as an employee. Now what they the, another question I always say to ask the employer is, is the job that, uh, as the job that is described that I'm applying for, the job I will be doing on day one? Is this the actual job I will be doing? Uh, and if they go something like, no, we always have people start out here doing these things for six months and then we move you in, which happens, right? It's a little bit of a bait, bait and switch that happens. So asking that question and seeing their reaction, their response is very telling. So if they hesitate or if they say no, then I think that's the time where you say, thank you very much, but this is not going to be a good fit. The reason being that they could put you into something that is complete opposite of what you thought the job was. And not part, not your career, get in alignment with your career galaxy, right? It's completely off. And that can put you in that position of one down position right away, right? Yeah. I always say, be sure and ask that question. Is that the day I'm going to be doing the work I will be doing from day one? I think for anyone, right? Not just with people with ADHD, but particularly for people with ADHD. Oh my gosh, being having that bait and switch thing kind of happen can be very detrimental and can be traumatic. By the way, it can be traumatic, uh, and and sometimes the, that when they do that, the job they put you in has nothing to do with the one that you signed up for or thought you were signing up for. Uh, and it, and the thing with working for other people, and that's why you see so many people with ADHD going off and doing their own business, is because there's no control over your environment. So all of those elements 
that are important to you that you've outlined could go out the window in terms of the people you work with. They could switch managers or switch employer uh, employees all the time that happens. You know, you have no control over that environment at all. So uh, I always say that if you know what you want to do and where you're headed, it's fine to work for someone else for a while to get the lay of the land, but know in advance that it's a means to an end, that eventually you're going to want to be on your own. And it could be 10 years down the line. It could be, but eventually with ADHD, you're going to want to do your own thing. I mean, I, I've seen that happen over and over again. Uh, again, when you're young, it may be more more important to work for other people. And I did, especially if you don't know the field or you're coming into a new field. You know that's a field you want to be in, but you got to get the lay of the land. And that takes the whole, uh, that also helps with knowing why you're there and makes it more tolerable to work for other people at that point. You're just getting, you're just getting to know the foundation. You're laying the foundation for yourself. Right. So that is uh, people with ADHD often do. And like myself, once I got five years in working with two employers, uh, I said, that's enough. My next step is to have my own, do my own thing. That's exactly what I did. And I never looked back. I never looked back. But I knew what I was going into the right. I was in the right field. I had laid the foundation. Uh, and I wasn't even aware. This, these are the things that I teach people now from having gone through this process and and trying to, because I've always loved my work, thank goodness. I've always been in a field that I really enjoy. And I think it's really important for people to identify the subject or the field that they want to be in, because that is where the foundation is right there. For me, it's education. Education is Everything I do is is all about education. So when I grow as a person in doing the work that I do, I am now I've done so so many different things up to writing the book, right? Um, so I was so inspired. It took me a, a lot of years to get to that point. It doesn't have to take you or anyone else. I took this the long circuitous route. I had to learn all these things, so now I can. I can impart this information to other people. I can help people to, with ADHD specifically to understand how things go when you're off track and how to get back on track and the things that you always need to keep in mind uh, before you apply for something new or start something new. So even the business, like I am not an, I was, I've been an entrepreneur when I started the company kids are. Right now, I am a, a business owner, but I do the work that I love, you know, that I've always loved. So I'm not an entre- necessarily an entrepreneur, uh, I, but I just love working on my own. I love doing my own thing. I always have, always have. Uh, and when I worked for other people, it was fine. It was good. I learned a lot. Uh, I enjoyed it up to a certain extent. And then I think the thing that made me really push me into the to go be doing my own business was my boss decided that it was a mom and pop company, which I loved. I love the smaller, more family oriented kind of uh, environment. But he decided he wanted to be more of a corporate entity. Uh, 
So he start he decided to structure the company more like a corporate entity with supervisors and managers and oh here's what you can do to become one of those. As soon as he looked at me and he said, "If you'd only knew these things, I was very I was successful doing what I was doing." But when he looked at me and he said that, I just looked at him with this blank stare. And I called him up later and I said, "I'm I'm the, you know, I want to start my own company." And he was he was sad. I mean, he he said, "Why?" And I said, "Do you remember what it was like when you first started?" Would you go back to working with someone else at this point? And he understood. He said, take your cases, uh, go with go with love or whatever. He was very gracious about it. But he understood. He understood. Uh, I was very fortunate. I think being an entrepreneur can seem just very intimidating, though, because there are so many other things that you need to do. I mean, if you find a passion in one thing and you start a business around it, there are so many other things that are now going to be part of your job, like sales and looking for those clients and then accounting and finance and yeah, keeping the books and um, handling the transfer of payments and all of that. Have you found that it's been helpful to outsource some parts of that or have you everything i outsource okay. <laughs> everything i don't want to do literally everything do you think i do you know how many people were involved in helping me do this <laughs> i mean you can't even imagine my launch the whole launch of the book which is coming up this next week is i have a virtual assistant who if without her nothing would get done i wouldn't have started the class she put the pieces together she uh, created the back office that people have mm-hmm. to make me look good. Everything makes me look great, you know, yeah. but it's not all me. You think it's all me? <laughs> oh, heck no. I found I'm very good about finding people. And this is what I say. You cannot do it alone. Don't even think for a second you can do it alone. Because the minute you think that you're going to, that's going to be kind of the downfall. Because then you get stuck doing things like bookkeeping, accounting. Like, do you think I do that? <laughs> are you kidding me? No. I mean, I have, that's what apps are for. That's what virtual assistants are for. That's what, it's okay to say, I can't do, this is not my forte. I really just, I want to be working with clients. I want to be out there talking to people. I want to help people. This is what I love doing. I want to be face-to-face on Zoom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I love doing the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> How are you finding clients? Is it through podcasts and having conversations or, you know, you have your yeah. public website? Well, I can tell you this. In the last year I'm working with, I have a, a podcast virtual assistant, which you know. Um. Do you think I would be on podcasts without them? <laughs> they actually helped me identify the right podcast for me to be on. And because that's the form of marketing that I choose to do because it's it's not it's a natural fit for me. It's something I enjoy doing, right? It's not like work. It can't be anything like work, like hard work. I don't believe in hard work by the way. I believe it's whatever work you do should come very naturally. Uh, because it's then a really it it's it fits you like a glove. It's like being home. It's it's it should not be a struggle. Like hard meaning it could be a challenge, a good challenge, which it is, but it always is a good challenge. But for me, I've developed yes, 
found the right people, people like Katrina, who, who was the graphics person in the book, people like Anne, who's my virtual assistant, uh, the podcast Virtuoso people, they're amazing. Um, I'm going to do a book tour this next year. That's all I'm doing on podcasts, which is, I call it the virtual book tour. Uh, I, that just came to my head. I'm going to, you know, I want to actually go out and talk to people in person with it, but this is the first step for me is to have conversations with podcasters about it. Yeah. And I'll probably be going on some literal book type podcasts. Um, but I'm excited about it. It's something, see, you've got to be excited with ADHD. If you don't have that dopamine thing going at least part of the time, it doesn't have to be a hundred percent all the time, but you know that to keep going, you're going to always be energized by what you do. And the more you stretch yourself and the more you start moving in different directions, the dopamine will follow. Or when you get that kind of energized feeling, you know you're moving in the right direction. Uh, so there were lots of ways that I've grown uh, doing more than just the coaching. And, you know, that's cr what the creating the class for one thing was a whole new thing. Yeah. Can you tell me more about the masterclass? I'm super interested in this. I mean, how do you even start to craft a masterclass? <laughs> how do you, yeah. How 20 do you years. Do that? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I think what it was, was I had to let go of a lot of notions about it being taken you know, having to take a long time to get through because when I work with people individually, they work with me for like four months. Um, and this is eight weeks. So it's literally cut in half, which means that I had to make sure that I was uh, including the right material, that we were really more targeted on uh, getting certain elements done. And it's, you know, some people are more challenged through it, but I've with the help of other people, not just myself, found ways to help boost them so that they can get through it uh, with recordings, with, and then I do bonus time with them. That's part of the class that's kind of built into it. Uh, and they can contact me, you know, they can email me and stuff like that. But they have each other. That's a cool thing is they're all going through this, this thing that nobody really understands but them. That they they so that network that you create just from the other people is something that can't be duplicated one on one. It can't, uh, and I found that to be so powerful for this process is to have other people that you can work with, and I encourage them to do what I call an on, off campus group uh, and get together. So that and the ones that do are the ones that really do well at this the ones that actually meet outside of the class. And then they don't need me as much to, you know, uh, because I don't do one-on-one -on -one until they, the baseline for working with me is the class. And I don't care how much education you've had. I don't care who you are, what level you are in any industry, whether you're the CEO or you're a person or a student who's in college trying to figure stuff out. Uh, the process is the same for everyone. You're just in different stages of it. And age doesn't matter. Experience doesn't matter. This process, again, is the same for everyone. 
And very often the people with all the experience get a lot from the ones who are just starting out because they're kind of wishing they were back there and didn't have all the uh, baggage that comes with uh, feeling, often feeling beaten down by the time they get there uh, because of, uh, you know, they've, they've been told they're not whatever, they shouldn't be doing this or shouldn't be doing that. And I tell them, look, you're just in the wrong job, the wrong field, the wrong, it's just wrong. It's not you. Yeah. Like you said, when you start not having that confidence in yourself because of all of these external factors, I mean, it's almost impossible to feel super motivated and inspired. And one way I think to get back to that is by being around people that are already in that state, because that is just such an infectious and contagious state to be around and you can't really help but be energized by it. Yeah. Yeah. So you asked, how do you do it? You First of all, you... I had been doing the work for so many years that I really think I really was able to identify what needed to get done, you know, what elements of it needed to get done to put together week one, week two, week three, uh, and to structure it to a certain extent. But beyond that, I was able to get my, you know, I had somebody help me storytell, be a storyteller on my website. And who interviewed me from a storyteller perspective and helped me rewrite my website so that it sounded more like me, more like who I am. So that really helped me a lot in terms of, you know, getting the website structured the right way. And then, um, you know, all the other people that have supported me, like I said, uh, I needed to have visuals for metaphors for what I was doing, like the cream rising to the top. I would always say that in my head, like the cream rising to the top are the, the uh, areas that you're starting to hone in on as being, this is me, this is me. And it starts to sort of bubble up as you're going through the process. And so I had uh, Katrina do an image of cream rising to the top with a different. So that's kind of how I think, I think we often think in metaphors, the more metaphors, the better, right? Uh, so I'm now working with another, um, amazing young coach who's taken the class about a year ago, found what she's supposed to be doing. And I knew from meeting with her that she was special in a lot of ways in terms of somebody who could maybe pick up for me or help me out to, to get the word out. So she's the first person that I'm training actually to do this class. She's starting her first class in, in February. Yeah, it is exciting. And she's, she's such a wonderful person. Her name is Lynn. She's from South Africa, South Africa. She's from Kenya. I've got South Africa on the brain. Um, she's from Kenya. And uh, so I get to learn about her culture a little bit, which has been fun. And she has a different way of presenting, obviously, which I really enjoy. It's just great to see people who present this material different than I do. And I always say, oh, she's going to outshine me in a hot minute. You know, I want that. I want people to outshine me because now it's about a legacy and bringing other people up to do this work as well. How often is the class running if somebody was interested? Is it on certain cycles throughout the year? 
Yeah, well, the thing is that it was so popular, I had to plan so much in advance that that's one reason I had to hire somebody else and oh, train okay. somebody else to do it. So it's uh, the next, her class is full in February, but she may actually be doing another one uh, later in the month of February. But for me, my next one is not until March. Uh, I think it's March 13th. And then I have another one starting the week after at a different time. So I have an evening U.S. evening class uh, in the in, in the Pacific uh, in Pacific time. It's like later afternoon. It's five thirty to seven, and then I have a Thursday class that's one thirty my time Central to three, which would be two thirty. You're are you on the east? You're on the east coast. Yeah, I'm in the east coast. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah two thirty to uh, uh, four. So I, I, my goal is to have this in the hands of every person who works with people with ADHD. So if you do, this would be a good thing for all coaches and counselors, uh, career-related people to have. Uh, that's I'm seeing it really be out, you know, out there globally. Hopefully, translated in into a few languages at some point. Yeah, Spanish is the next one. Okay. But I mean, there's, you know, a lot of people from other countries speak English. So I, there's always somebody from Europe or another country represented. I'm talking to someone from, that's why I had South Africa tomorrow morning. You know, so I have Africa, we have UAE, we have, you know, the Middle East, we have South America, we have everywhere, everywhere. Europe, of course, all over Europe. Well, I'm very excited for you, Shell. I have one last question for you. So for folks that have been in a job or on a career path that just doesn't seem to be making them happy any longer, they're not really feeling that connected or excited about their work, what's some sort of exercise that could be helpful for them to figure out what else to do or what kind of recommendations do you have for somebody that really just doesn't know what else they could be able to do from here. Um, and they can I say get the book? <laughs> you can say get the book, get the book, yes. But is there a question <laughs> that they can ask themselves internally to know if they should, you know, embark on this workshop and endeavor? Yeah. yeah, I'd say um ask yourself, well, one of the first exercises I have people do is the one I mentioned about childhood activities. Like, what were the things that you were drawn to as a kid that you enjoyed doing as a kid? And not literally think about, oh, okay, okay, I like to draw, so therefore I'm going to be an artist. But it could be something about using that skill. Like, what are the skills that you enjoy using? Um, so that would be the very first step in doing this work as well, is we really define the skills. We write stories. We, we have different ways of getting at that information. So it's important to sort of take it, find the ones that work for you, find the, the, the exercises that work for you. But I think that's always a good one. Like what, from the ages of uh, seven to nine, if you can remember. Now, people your age, a lot of times are blank when it comes to trying to remember their childhoods. <laughs> 
You ever yeah. notice that? Well, it's funny. Yeah. I was trying to think and then something just clicked in my brain where I I mean, I used to take dance classes when I was growing up, but I was always I just like wanting to be physical and move around. And I found I've been working in tech for the past 12 years and I'm in front of a computer all day. And just in the past yeah. couple of years, I've been trying to make a more concerted effort to take meetings or calls from a walk outside because I find that I think the best that way. And I feel like I need to be physically moving a lot more than I had been for the years uh, prior to that. So yeah, I think that does kind of click with what made me happy when I was younger. There you go. So yeah, that's the first thing people talk about the most are being in front of a computer all day long when you're a physical person, right? So that that would have to do with your working conditions, allowing you to get up and move around. It would also have to do with maybe some of the work you do where you get to move around a little bit. And that's part of the actual work. doesn't mean that you have to be a dancer in your work. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, it could mean um, taking people out to a dance Mm -hmm. I don't know. Having that as being part of your work, having some element of it in your work. Yeah. Uh, But noticing, I'm I'm glad that you put those two together, that you're sitting most of the day and that you're Mm -hmm. taking meetings walking. It had it that connects with the work you actually do and the and the working conditions, right? Mm-hmm. So when you start putting all those pieces together, it starts to create this. It's a big puzzle in the beginning, and then mm-hmm. you start to put all the pieces together, and they start to make sense. You start to make yeah. sense out of it. Yeah. Right? No, I can already see it. So I'm excited to get the book and to follow the exercises. And I can see how they could be so helpful to so many folks. So I really appreciate you being on, Shell. So I will link to your website where folks can purchase your book. um, And I'll link anywhere else where folks could find you. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's right there on Amazon now. I'm also doing what's really cool is one of the things that I ask people to do is purchase um, some tabbed, just blank books for keeping notes. So I've created a tabbed blank, no, eight tabs for all the different planets that, that are, that make up your ideal work. And and they're going to be, the the planets are printed on the tabs um, and it goes right with the book. So it'll make it a lot easier. You can just kind of get it all in one place. I thought of that. To, how did you? How do you just make it easier for people? You know, that's all I think about. What's the easiest thing you could do to help people get through this process without having to like click too much or, or go back and forth to find things, but just to have everything kind of right there in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. Very helpful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on, Shell. I really love this conversation. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Thank you. Go to unchartedcareers.com if you're interested in one-on-one career coaching or are looking to learn more about uncharted careers and my coaching approach. Thanks for listening.